With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Find a fresh take on a fall getaway to Wilmington, North Carolina and beaches. Enjoy hiking trails in a state park, fresh seafood with a sight of live music and fall festivals galore. Then live it up along the Riverwalk in Wilmington's historic downtown. With three island beaches, Carolina, Curie and Wrightsville and a vibrant downtown, you get the best of the Carolina coast all in one place. Plan your fall getaway at WilmingtonandBeachesVacation.com. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey there, Duke fans. Welcome to episode 258 of the Duke Basketball Report podcast. It is Wednesday, December 9th, and unfortunately, uh, somehow, because I'm hosting, we have another Duke loss to discuss. But before we get into all that, I'm Donald Wine, your host for this episode. Sam Klein is only with us for the first few minutes here due to wild schedule. This week has been packed for each of us. So, uh, hello, Sam. Hello. I am out for a walk at the moment. It's very cold up here in Boston, although I suppose I shouldn't be complaining because it's only December and they tell me that February and March is worse. So I guess I just have to brace for it. But uh, I'm here and I'm, I guess, in better spirits than the Duke team is today. Yeah, for sure. We also have Jason Evans here. Hello, Jason. Hey, Donald. Um, it's not as cold in Atlanta as it is in Boston. Uh, obvious clear statements like that are important things at a time like this. <laughs> yeah. Well, I feel like I'm in the middle. It's, it's, it's chilly here. It's nice hoodie season weather, uh, but it's not nearly as cold as it is in Boston. Uh, but we can't discuss the weather right now. We have to get into the basketball last night. Duke took on Illinois in the ACC big 10 challenge in Cameron Indoor stadium. It was not a good night for the blue devils. They fell to the fighting Illini 83 to 68. Like we did on the last episode for this recap, we're breaking this down into different sections. We begin with the headline. That's our one to two sentence overview of the game. Sam, what do you got for that? My headline for this game is Duke doesn't have enough. They didn't have enough at, at either end of the court. There wasn't enough offense. The shooting was, was, was really, and I wouldn't even call it streaky. It was just bad. Players were taking bad shots from outside, from inside, from mid-range. And, and on defense, we talked about them being able to contain the three-point shooting and the size for Illinois. And guys, I haven't looked deeply at the stats yet, 
but from watching the the game it didn't feel like duke was able to contain illinois at any of the things that they do well so duke doesn't have enough that i, I think that's that's true across the board absolutely uh jason what do you got I think all of us are going to echo sort of similar themes, but in different kinds of ways. My headline is the gang that couldn't shoot straight. I mean, this is a Duke team um, that, uh, you know, other than a couple glimpses here and there for a couple moments here and there, appears to really, really struggle to put the ball in the basket with any degree of consistency. Uh, in, in this game, it wasn't until the about 12 and a half minute mark of the second half that Duke hit their first three-pointer. They were 0 of 7 on three-pointers in the first half. I think, it, I think that got up to be about like 0 of 11 um, before they finally got, uh, went ahead. And, and DJ Stewart, I believe, was the one who hit um, a, a three-pointer. On the game, Duke only hits 22% of their threes. Uh, meanwhile, as Sam mentioned, one of the things we identified in the preview, I, I, I talked about it. I said, you know, hey, Illinois wasn't a good three-point shooting team last year. They've been great so far this year. I wonder which team is going to show up. Well, the team that showed up is the one that hit 63% of their three-pointers. Um, Illinois buried us from the perimeter. We could not answer. And like I said on, on the preview, we couldn't keep up with, with the offense that they were able to generate when they were hitting their threes. Yeah, and, and for me, I'll, I'll just say it simply, our offensive woes continue, a leader needs to emerge. Uh, I think that's pretty clear. Uh, I will talk about both most likely uh, when we get to the later sections of this recap. I do want to move on to the next part, which is the good news. Uh, usually you have the vegetables before you have dessert. I think we're going to have a lot of veggies tonight, so we're, we'll start with the dessert uh, the good news, the most significant positive thing that we saw in the game. Jason, goes to you. I mean, it's probably the play of Jeremy Roach. I think that has to be the thing that impressed people the most. Um, uh, you know, a little later on this podcast, we're going to talk about uh, Jordan Goldwire uh, had a media appearance. And one of the things he said when he spoke to the media, that we're, we're not going to play all of it for you. Um, but one of the things that Jordan said, I, I actually asked him, I said, hey, are there guys who in practice have looked better than they have in games? Now, this was before last night's game, and he, he said that DJ Stewart, Jeremy Roach, and Mark Williams have both looked better in practice than they have in games, and that he predicted those guys would go off at some point. I don't want to say that Jeremy Roach went off, but um, he, he showed signs of it. Uh, he, he, he was outstanding at taking the ball to the basket, um, ended up scoring 13 points, tied for second highest on the team. Uh, it, it was as competent as we've seen Jeremy Roach look this year. This is a guy who's a very, very highly touted recruit. And, uh, you know, I think it was great to see sort of why he's such a highly touted recruit. He had a couple very, very nice passes in the second half as well. Ends up with seven assists. And, uh, you know, I don't want to mix the, uh, as Donald says, the dessert with the vegetables. Duke has struggled, struggled mightily to generate assists, to generate easy baskets. Jeremy Roach began to do that a little bit for Duke in the second half. To me, that's the biggest good news that I have from this game. There's not a lot else. Matthew Hurt um, was very effective scoring the ball, uh, even though he couldn't hit his three-pointers. I shudder to think Matthew Hurt scored 19 points, but was 0 of 6 from 3. Imagine the game he would have had if he'd hit, you know, even two out of six of his three-pointers. Uh, you know, would have had a, a, a much better, um, better game, you know, much bigger game in terms of scoring. There's just not a lot else for me I, I saw that was that was all that encouraging. DJ Stewart, 
um, was at, like in the final five to seven minutes, uh, he had a little flurry, hit a couple three pointers. Um, but the, the, to me, those are the only things that were encouraging at all. So for me, uh, and I'll do mine very quickly. You, you mentioned Matthew Hurt. I thought he was uh, my good part of the game. He continues to pace this team, 19.7 rebounds, a block, and a steal. We indicated in our stats game uh, preseason that he would be the leading scorer on the team, and so far he's been a leading scorer in three of our four games. So I'm glad his game seems to be progressing. Everyone else, I feel, seems to be inconsistent, but at least we have a, a North Star of sorts and Matthew Hurt. Sam, what do you got for uh, the good part of this game? Why don't we take a second to highlight a bench guy? I saw a few really nice plays from Jamin Brakefield. He continues to be maybe the, the most effective player of the guys we thought were down in the rotation, sort of the guys that would be outside of the, the normal Duke rotation. So I, I don't think we need to spend too much time on him, but I, I've seen a lot from Jamin Brakefield that makes me think that he's going to continue to be an effective player and a guy who can really contribute 10 to 15 minutes a game for this team, even when the competition gets better. Because let's face it, Illinois is going to be one of the best teams we play this year. They're, they're better than North Carolina. Um, they're better than, than maybe everyone else in the ACC. So uh, impressed with that. Absolutely. And that leaves us with uh, the part that I think will be the longest discussion, and that is the bad news, the veggies. We give uh, the single most concerning thing we saw in the game, I'm going to start because I have a few, uh, but I'm going to start with my most concerning. And I think oh, only, wait, only a few. <laughs> There's I, a I, lot. <laughs> There's I a feel lot. Like, I was say, do, you, do you get the chance to go first because you have a few? Or does that imply <laughs> that the rest of us do not? No, I see my what strategy. Kind of are you claiming here? My strategy in this is that I think there's a bunch of them, and I, I ha have a hint about which ones you guys will talk about. And so I think between the three of us, we will cover everything. Uh, so I say I have a few, but I think between us, we have quite a bit. I do start, though, with the physicality. We were not physical enough in this game. We were getting out-muscled. Uh, I think when it comes to this team, we kind of shied away from it at times last night. You could tell Illinois was ready to be physical. They didn't care. They were going right at us. And we did not have a counterpunch. We didn't have a haymaker. Illinois was providing all the body shots. They were providing all the haymakers. I think that is where we really last. And, and it, it's, it, I think it encompassed a lot of things. It encompassed our shooting. It encompassed the fact that we couldn't play defense against guys like Coburn and, and uh, the other guys on the team. I think when we talk about being physical it's something that we have talked about for the last couple of weeks you know before Michigan State during Michigan State after Michigan State before this game and that it didn't seem that they had gained anything or learned anything from that uh, performance against Michigan State because we knew Illinois was going to come in and do the same thing and they were able to really have their way with us for a lot of the game so I will start with that Sam I go to you give me one of your few or, or several that you have we have to talk about Wendell Moore, and I know that that we don't like to, you know, single out guys specifically very often, but I, I feel like he came back to school this year with the promise that he was going to be kind of everything for Duke, and, and we just haven't seen that yet from him. So I'm concerned about Wendell Moore and his development and his and his leadership, because again, he's also supposed to be one of the guys who's, you know, he's not he's not the oldest guy on the team but he's got some of the, the best experience. And I, I just feel like we're missing so much from him right now that would be uh, beneficial here in the early season. See, I knew you were 
going to discuss that, which is why I didn't list that. Sorry for taking the few, obvious uh, picks, Jason. You know, it's, not, it's not my fault. Yeah. You know, I, I don't have to dive deep. I went, I went for Jamin Brakefield for you my best for, thing. So. You went for low-hanging fruit. So that's cool. We appreciate that. Uh, Jason, what do you got? And I guess what we're doing is we're sort of each giving, you know, uh, a one bad thing and then we'll, we'll rotate around. We'll just we'll keep rotate. going until we're done, right? Okay, so yeah. my, my, first, my first vegetable, Duke struggled mightily to get easy baskets. Illinois, on the other, other hand, uh, seemed to get easy baskets all the time. And, and I've got a couple ways I want to talk about that and demonstrate that. The first one is... In the first half, I looked at the halftime stats. Duke lost this game, by the way, in the first half. I Illinois was leading by 14 points at halftime. Um, the Illini only won the second half by one point, 40 to 39. To be honest, much of the second half, Duke was winning that half. You know, if that matters, I'm not sure it matters much at all. But the bottom line is Duke lost this game really in the first 10 minutes or so. Uh, at halftime, I looked at the stats. Duke had four assists on 12 made baskets at halftime. Four assists on 12 made baskets. At the same time, at the same moment, Illinois had eight assists on 14 made baskets. So they had only made two more buckets than we had. Now they'd made some three-pointers. I'm not going to get into that at this point. But, but they had twice as many assists as we did. Uh, and that is a function of, you know, getting easy hoops and giving up easy hoops. And, and the passing to me, our, our ability to execute an offense was tremendously concerning this is a really big deal and, and you know it, it seems sort of it seems sort of silly almost to to note it but th there was a moment in the second half when duke was making a run um it was with about 14 minutes left i took a note to myself matthew hurt got an open three-pointer and it, it hit the backboard it hit so hard that sort of it, it turned into a, a, a like a four-on-one fast break they came the other way and they got a three-point play out of it it should have been hurt to be honest, it's the kind of shot that Hurt usually would hit and, and make. It should have been three points for Duke. Instead, it was three points for Illinois. But it was an Those example. Those are backbreakers, too. Those that, are they're killers. Yeah. At, at that moment, I actually wrote, I said, I think the game is over. Um, but, but the reason I bring it up is examples of easy baskets. Uh, it, it was a play where Duke should have gotten one of our few rare easy buckets. We had a good look. Uh, instead, Illinois got a run out and got, you know, a slam dunk. It doesn't get easier than that. Easy baskets, assists, these were the things that just killed Duke in this game. And, and I'm, I'm terrified because it, it's going to take a lot to fix this. So I, I, I think you guys both hit the nail on the head with those uh, veggies. I have another one that I want to bring up, and that is the fact that uh, – and I start by, by broaching this because of two comments that came out of the post-game presser. I know – Jason, you had some audio from that. This wasn't a part of the audio we were going to play, but it was from Coach K and from Jeremy Roach. Coach K basically said, when teams play against us, for them to come into Cameron, they're ready to play. You're not going to get anyone looking ahead. Our guys, they haven't experienced that yet. They're experiencing that right now, and hopefully that makes us tougher and better. And then Jeremy Roach kind of, uh, before Coach K came on, said something similar where he said, Coach has always been preaching that, they're an older team in regards to Illinois. They're skilled. They're physical. We've got to live up to the challenge. Obviously, today we didn't, but we're going to continue to get better as the season goes on. That is my issue so far with this team, not rising to the challenge. We know from previous years, as long as we've been Duke fans, we take everyone's best shot every single time. 
No one comes in and is like, yeah, we're looking past Duke towards another game. We are the game they're looking to. We can't take that opportunity to chance. And this team is learning the hard way that people want to beat us in Cameron. If you think about it, over the course of Coach K's career, he has only lost six times to non-conference opponents in Cameron. Two of them have come this year, the first time since 1982, 1983. Every possession counts. Every play counts. We have to learn very quickly that when teams come in, I don't care who it is, if it's Illinois, if it's Michigan State, or Charleston Southern who's coming in this weekend, we are going to get their best shot. And if we don't take that best shot and play with the same intensity and the same mentality as our opponents, we're going to be talking about this quite a bit during the season. Uh, Sam, what do you have? I just wanted to add on to that, that we've talked about how there's a little bit of a leadership void on this team, and it's going to manifest in, in exactly this way, like you're, you're discussing, Donald, on how the, the team doesn't respond when an opponent comes in and is, and is ready to roll and is ready to, to give it their best shot. If, if the team doesn't have a rock around which to, you know, <laughs> around which to, to, to rally, then this is, the, this is the outcome that they're going to get every time that they play a team with as much talent and experience as Illinois. Guys, I do have to, to jump out now. Um, I'm, I'm, I, I need to get back to some other stuff, but I wanted to, to end with a, with a light note because it's, it's a dark episode today. Uh, there was one very funny moment in the game when Jay Billis roasted Seth Greenberg. Uh, oh, I think yes. It was like heading, heading into the half, and uh, he, he made a joke at Seth's expense about all the games at Virginia Tech that Seth didn't win in Cameron. And, uh, or was it about wins in Cameron or was it about, um, about NCAA tournament? It might have been about NCAA tournament appearances, which Virginia Tech was famous for not having while Seth Greenberg was the coach. It was something um, to the effect of, uh, they're like, Jay, how many times did you lose in Cameron to non-conference opponents? He goes, about as many times as you had NCAA tournament wins. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so, yeah, that was really good. But, Sam, thank I, you for I, I wanna, Yeah, right. I want to leave you, I wanna leave you with, with Jay Billis's snark because I think it's a, it's a rare positive uh, from, from this otherwise depressing night. It was all, it's always great when he, when he dunks on someone during the pod, uh, during the episode or a broadcast, especially when it's Seth Greenberg, but Sam, I know I, you have to get it. going. Yeah, I know you <laughs> got to get going, but thanks for joining us on this episode. Hopefully everything uh, pans out with, with everything you got to do. I know it's been a crazy week for all of us. So appreciate you taking some time. All right. See you guys. So as we say goodbye to Sam, we appreciate him joining us at least for a little bit with, with the busy schedule. The final thing that I want to talk about uh, is the leadership on the team. And a couple episodes ago, we discussed this thanks to a listener's email that we received. But we also had some comments about this just a few days ago from Jordan Goldwire when he took to the podium for questions from the media. So we want to play the sound from a question that Evan Cullen from the Chronicle had about the leadership on this team and listen to Jordan Goldwire's response. Uh, so you spent a good amount of time talking about your leadership so far. Um, unless I've missed something, I don't believe Duke has, you know, publicly released captains this year. Usually they do it a couple months before the season. So I'm just wondering, is that something um, you guys plan on doing eventually if you release it internally or what's sort of going on with that? Uh, honestly, I don't know if we're going to release a statement. Uh, I don't need a statement to be released. I mean, it's pretty much known. Uh, we have different guys that lead, Dwindell, Matt, Joey. So it's it's a group of us that have been have took, taken on that responsibility. 
Uh, and like I said, I, I've been uh, trying to be more vocal. So I think it's pretty much known. I don't need anything to be released. Uh, just got to go and also lead by example. Okay, so this is the interesting part about that clip. A couple of shows ago, I said that leadership that's not identified on paper is fine, so long as that we can identify what it is on the court. And I also said at that a couple of shows ago to pay attention to the guys on the court to see who those leaders are going to be, who's pulling guys into the huddle, et cetera. We've had a couple of games since those comments that I made. And honestly, for me, that picture is not clear. We had many times last night where guys were not leading. Some of those leaders that Goldwire said, every, everyone knows, I say in air quotes, it wasn't readily apparent these past couple of games. And there are even times last night after a stoppage in play for a foul or, or something else, there was no huddle. There was no one pulling everyone together. There was no one kind of being the rock on the floor. So that's the most concerning part to me. This team may know who the leaders are, but those leaders don't seem to be leading on the court. And the team's play, I feel, has suffered because of that. Jason, I, I want to get your thoughts on that because I know – you were one of the people who, who initially were very concerned about the fact that there are no captains on the team. At this point, we, it doesn't seem like we're going to get who those captains are, but have you seen that leadership emerge in any way on this floor? I mean, look, we, we are reluctant to be too critical. Um, we're fans. Let, let, let's be clear about that. And, and this is a fan podcast. That said, I, I'm very concerned about the leadership vacuum. And it is a leadership vacuum on this team. Uh, Jordan Goldwire said, hey, everybody, you know, it hasn't been officially named, but everybody knows. Well, wait a second, well, why hasn't it been officially named them? It doesn't make any sense to me. If there are true leaders, if there are guys who are taking the role of the captain, if there are guys that the young guys in the team know they can look to, to tell them how to act, what to do, who can guide this team through the difficult times, because that's when you need a leader. You don't need a leader when things are going well. You need a leader when things are going rough. If those guys exist, why haven't they already been named? I believe that the answer is they don't really exist. And it is a, it's a huge, huge problem for this team because the guys who I think probably could play that role, I, I, I think it's tough because they, they, they aren't in a big enough role on the team. And I think, I think it's maybe Joey Baker and Wendell Moore. And we have seen Wendell Moore's role. Look, we've talked about it. I mean, Wendell is really struggling right now. We're going we're gonna to get more into that in, in a little bit. Coach K actually talked about that extensively, and, and you and I are going to discuss that in, in just a little bit, Donald. Um, Wendell Moore is really, really struggling. It is not the time to put leadership on his back. Um, Joey Baker, to me, um, I, I, I feel like I've heard that Joey is someone who talks a good bit, um, but Joey doesn't play a big enough role on the team, I don't think, to be that definitive leader. So, so it really falls to Matthew Hurt and Jordan Goldwire. As I've said, Jordan was a senior, a returning starter. The fact that they didn't name him a captain from day one sort of speaks volumes. Again, it's not his fault. Not everyone is a leader. But, I mean, we know at this point, the, the, the moment we hit October, November, and Jordan Goldwire wasn't a captain, you know, he's never going to be that kind of person. Again, not his fault, but it's just not in his personality. Uh, and I don't think it's in Matthew Hurt's personality either. Matthew Hurt is someone who sort of was uh, known for being a little bit quieter. Uh, so I, I look up and down the roster. I don't know where it comes from. Um, uh, I think it, it's going to have to come from the assistant coaches and from Coach K. 
And it's just really tough for a team when the people they need to look to for that kind of thing are people who are not allowed to be in games at all. They're, they're not, you know, they're not in practices at all for that matter. Um, so, you know, other than observing it. So I, I, I think this is just going to be a team that all year struggles with leadership. And I think as a result, it may be a team that does not show the kind of resiliency that some Duke teams have shown in the past. One final thing about that, and you brought up a great point when you're talking about how Wendell Moore, again, not to single him out, but some guys don't know how to do both. They don't know how to be a great at their sport and also be the leader for said team. And it's, it's something where it's, it's not inherent in a lot of people to be able to do both. It's a very difficult thing to do. And sometimes, you know, I mean, for me, I look at, you know, Clint Dempsey on, on the U.S. national team when he was playing. He was the captain for a little bit, and his play suffered because he was so concerned with trying to be the leader that his play faltered. And so then the coaches said, okay, you are much better for us if you just go out and play. And then he took off and just exploded because he didn't have to have all that stuff on his plate. Maybe this is a team that has some guys that can't do both, and you need to have someone that's there to be one or the other. I think over the course of this month, hopefully we figure out what that is. But again, like you said, this is a fan podcast. We're, we're, we're not concerned about it in the sense that we're, we're having an overly critical eye. We are, we are fans of the game. We've seen this team progress. We want this team to be successful in everything they do. And we think this is an avenue where they can improve. And we're hoping to see that over the coming days and weeks. I think this is a good time to pause for a quick break. But on the other side, we have some Coach K audio that, with some eye-opening comments, and we preview the upcoming game this weekend against Charleston Southern. You don't want to miss what we have to say. Stay tuned. Okay, we are back. I want to shift gears to Coach K, as I mentioned, after the game last night during the post-game press conference, Coach K had some pretty eye-opening comments about a lot of things, including the team's play so far this season and just the state of college basketball in this COVID environment. Jason, I know you were able to make that very late uh, virtual press conference, so I'll let you take us through what he discussed. Yeah, so let's start with the game itself, and then we're going to get to his comments about COVID that are making headlines today. But um, so as you said, Donald, it was very late in the evening when Coach K came out and, and spoke to the media. Um, folks, have a listen. Uh, I, I think the thing to pay attention to, you know, it, there, there's some resignation in his voice. There's some real recognition that, uh, that the team is, is not where it needs to be. Um, I, I don't think it's surprising to, 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 to hear that. But I, I think it's good that Coach K isn't trying to sugarcoat uh, what is a very difficult time. So let's, let's have a listen to, to what Coach K said. Again, this is his opening statement that he delivered to the media. Um, have a listen, and then, and then Donald and I will chat about it a little bit. What day is happy Wednesday? Uh, hopefully Wednesday is better than Tuesday. But uh, now we got beat by... Uh, a team that's better than we are and older, uh, more mature, and uh, they kind of impose their will on us. And and uh, we're you know we're we're just not we're not as good as they are. <laughs> and therefore, you got to be really 
you got to be really smart. You got to hit shots. Um, we're not there yet. You know, we're not there yet. We got a lot to learn. Uh, I thought, I think we're playing hard on the defensive end. And we did some things defensively to put us in a position to put some game pressure on them, but then they always answered, which they're good. Brad does a great job with his team and they have a lot of weapons. You know, the, they're, they're an old, they're a good team. I mean, they're, they were last year and they are right now. And, and we're, we're, we're just an average team that's very young that has to get better. And so uh, on the offensive end, you know, we're not confident. We're not, for whatever reason it is, we are not, not confident on that end of the, end of the court. And uh, I got to do things to make sure that they get that confidence. And, um, you know, so a lot of work to do. But uh, uh, and it's a learning experience, the, especially these two games, Michigan State and Illinois. You're playing teams at a really high level. A lot of these kids, they've they they've not been in this before, and so uh, and our veterans are only have only been able to do so much to help us. Matt, uh, Jay Gold are playing well. Obviously, Wendell is really struggling. I mean, he, God bless him. I mean, he. He's just really struggling. And this, you know, the more veterans you have can, can help the younger guys. And when you, when a veteran is struggling like that, uh, for one, I feel badly for him. I mean, I know it, it hurts him like crazy, but uh, uh, usually a veteran can help another kid or kids and be a, a source of strength. So s some of these young guys are out there a little bit alone you know uh and uh, so we're gonna just keep working and getting better so I, I what you heard there was coach k starting out with something that is very obvious which is the fact that we are younger um and not as experienced um and and, and you can hear that he he's a little exasperated um uh he, he said we're just an average team uh <laughs> Uh, that that you you hear coach k uh, he he doesn't usually say that kind of thing about about duke teams he usually you know refers to them as having a chance to be special and things like that and and you didn't hear a lot of that there i think that there is a uh that there there's a covid thing that's happening here and before we before we start discussing about coach k and his comments about covid and, and college basketball in general i think there's a covid thing happening that's affecting the duke basketball team um we we've heard that that practice has not been the way practice was in the past. Um, that Coach K is justifiably reluctant to, to be on court and hands-on too much. He is in his 70s um, and he would like to live. It seems crazy to even have to say something like that, but I think Coach K probably recognizes that for his health, he needs to not be as close with these players as he has been in the past. Um, they're, they're, what we've heard is that Duke has had fewer practices than they have in the past, that the practice is that there's not as much um, contact one-on-one -on -one, um, or, or, or group kind of play scrimmaging and the such as there has been in the past. Uh, we've gotten video of scrimmages, so it's not like they're not doing it at all, but I think they're not doing it nearly as much as they used to. 
um, let's think about this. This is a really, really young team and they had no exhibitions. They had, you know, the preseason was, was halting. It's different than it was, has been in the past. There wasn't, you know, lots of time Duke plays in a travel tournament of some sort, um, you know, during the preseason, an exhibition um, where they go play some, you know, you know, uh, games out of the country or, or, or some other kind of travel. We went to Canada. We, we've gone to all kinds of other places, do that kind of thing. There was none of that this year. Um, we didn't have, we haven't had nearly as many tune up opponents, you know, these, uh, these opponents that you can experiment a little bit more against. We've had two of those games, but we've had two games against stud, you know, really good teams, arguably two of the top five, seven teams in the country already. Uh, and, and we don't have, we don't have quite the same kind of freshman class as we usually do. Um, uh, there, 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 there aren't guys who are automatic scorers the way we've had in the past. I mean, think back over Duke history, uh, Vernon Carey, RJ and Zion, uh, Jason Tatum. I mean, I, I, Brandon Ingram, on and on, uh, Jaleel Okafor, on and on and on. Every year, it seems like Duke has one of these guys that you can go, okay, I'm going to you and you're getting me a basket. And we don't have that this year. We've mentioned this before in the podcast, but Anyway, my point in all this is what Coach K is saying is this is a team that is really struggling. And I think what we have to recognize is this is a team that's playing under completely different circumstances from any Duke team in the past. And, and the last thing that relates to that is they're also playing in a Cameron Indoor Stadium that is completely unlike Cameron has ever been in its history. And we can't underrate that. And I'm not making excuses. I'm merely trying to explain. But I mean... A full Cameron is probably worth, I don't know, seven to 10 points for Duke, at least. An empty Cameron, I don't know if it's worth anything at all. It, you know, maybe it's worth a point or two at the most, but it's, a, it's com just a completely different circumstance than what Duke has had in the past. And I thought you heard some of that from Coach K's voice um, as he spoke about the game. You took a lot of what I was going to say out of, out of my mouth with regards to this year has just been wild. I mean, just think, not a lot of practice, not a lot. We talk about a lot of things we just talked about in the last segment with what we thought has been uh, slow to come by for this team, physicality, just the, you know, out being out muscled and, and playing uh, with some intensity. They haven't been able to do that this summer because of COVID. They, they weren't doing a lot of, of drills and stuff like that. So, I, and even just the approach of how this year has gone where they're, you know, they're not living in dorms, they're living in the bubble and, and all this stuff. I think all of that is, has affected the team. Uh, and really the other thing, when he says that they're young, he really, he's never focused on that before. He's never really said, Hey, we have a really, you know, really young team. And that's why we're struggling. We've had young teams that haven't struggled. I think all of this walking in, there's nothing. Usually you have a, you know, some upperclassmen to guide you and say, this is how it's done. This is what our mentality is. This is how our approach to the game, our scheduling, all this stuff. None of that matters this year because you can't say this is how the schedule goes because the schedule is 1000% different than it was last year or the year before that year before that. So uh, all of those things, I think you were absolutely right. It kind of has uh, created this thing where it, everything is, is off. And I feel like everyone's just, just kind of not trying to go with whatever punches are being thrown their way, but it's hard to do that when you don't get that opportunity before the season. And, and look, Duke is not alone in this. I, uh, let, let's, let's note Kentucky, which is the school that, you know, models their roster creation as, you know, similarly to Duke as much as, you know, as much as any, any other school does Duke and Kentucky have the same kind of thing where they, they seem to always be young. And this year, it is really biting those programs in, in the butt. 
um, Kentucky's one in three. And, and Duke's losses are way more explainable and way more forgivable than some of the losses that Kentucky has suffered so far this year. Um, I think that it is the kind of season where having experienced players, having mature players who can maybe do stuff on their own um, a little bit more is really, really important. Now, I don't know, at some point in, in past seasons, Duke and Kentucky have caught up. With, with other college basketball programs that were more experienced. Maybe that will happen again this year, but maybe this is the year it doesn't because we're in a, you know, a pandemic and everything that used to happen in the past is thrown out the window. Yeah, I think when it comes to, I think the one thing, the biggest thing about how the season's gone, the uncertainty, I'm sure, has gotten to every player in college basketball, every coach, every, every assistant coach, every staff member, because I understand how difficult it is to prepare for an opponent, how much more difficult do you think it is to prepare for said opponent and you don't know if you're going to play them, right? Like we, I mean, the Gardner-Webb game was canceled a day before the game, right? It, it, those sort of things got away on you where you're like, I mean, in your in a player's mind, I wouldn't be surprised if they're sitting there like, I mean, why are we going through all this prep? Are we even playing this game on Saturday? Are we even playing this game on Monday? it just seems like that is really weighing on not just Duke players, but players all across college basketball. And, and I, for one, don't blame them for that. So Donald, we, we have to now get into the, the rest of what coach K said, because what folks should understand is um, usually coach K takes a bunch of questions from the media. Uh, this time he only took a couple because uh, one of the members of the media who was there asked him uh, about the, the stuff that we've been talking about, the uncertainty, the schedule and, and how COVID has has caused everything to just, you know, go bonkers. And I, I heard something that I haven't really ever heard before, which was Coach K rambling. He went on for a long time uh, about COVID uh, and, and, and his feelings on it. You know, rather than playing it for folks, I, I want to talk about it a little bit. It was clear that he is desperately searching for leadership from the NCAA. Um, Coach K talked about the fact that the NCAA is run by committees and that committees cannot respond quickly and nimbly to things. When you have a committee in charge, it always takes time. And you always sort of discuss things and discuss things and discuss things and end up doing nothing. You can tell that Coach K has said in the past that, that they need to have, college basketball needs a czar. It needs a commissioner. It needs someone in charge of the sport. Um, I think that when Coach K decides he doesn't want to coach Duke anymore, he might be the ideal person for that role. Um, you know, it's somewhere down the line, hopefully a long way down the line. Coach K knows that the NCAA needs to take charge and the NCAA doesn't want to take charge. Uh, he had one of the really interesting comments he had is that he said the NCAA is interested in the long game, the tournament, the thing that's coming up way in the future. They're not interested in the present, what's happening right now. And, and that was exactly what I was going to, yeah. that was he, and, and let me, let me quote it because I think the quote in, in its entirety is poignant because he ended with it. He goes, I know the NCAA is worried about the end game. They're not as worried about the game we're playing right now. And I heard that. And I was, when I heard him say that, I was like, that is not a shot fire. That is a cannon. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and that is him, you know, once again, saying, what are we doing? And, and does any of this make sense? And, and look, there are people out there. I want to be really clear. There are people out there who think that this is, you know, sour grapes being a sore loser. Um, I think that you are dead wrong about that because Coach K was really clear. He said, look, Illinois is a great team. 
we are not as good as Illinois. He said, this has nothing to do with the result of the game that just happened. He didn't say it, but what he's essentially saying is what it has to do with is the fact that games are being canceled left and right. You know, approximately 25% of all college basketball games are being canceled right now. That there are programs that are shutting down left and right. In the ACC, there are at least three ACC programs where I think it's pretty unlikely that they're going to play for at least a week or two because they got COVID going through their team at this moment. And as I said earlier, Coach K is a 73-year-old man. This strikes home for him because it could come for him. So I don't blame him for being frustrated and angry. And, and, and the, the, the other thing I'll say about this is over the summer, we started hearing that Coach K was one of the voices. He, he has not talked about it publicly, but he, he was one of the voices among ACC coaches who was saying, we should play conference only. We should try and do it in a bubble if we can. We should wait. I, I think Coach K was one of the you know, voices that was saying, why are we starting in November? What sense does this make? Coach K has been very angry, supposedly, and very adamant about the fact that the players are not going home for Christmas. Now, we understand why they aren't, and they shouldn't, because it would be dangerous and difficult. But I think Coach K thinks this is crazy. He's also one of the guys that was leading the charge about having every single team in college basketball that was eligible for the NCAA tournament be in the NCAA tournament and expanding it. He was one of those guys that said, this season is it's dumb to go through the same motions like, like we're doing it last year. Let's do it in a way that's safe and let's make it so that because it's, you know, across the board inconsistent, let's make it so that people can uh, get every, every team can get into the NCAA tournament and give everyone a fair shot at this national championship. And, and, and look, Donald, you and I discussed this specifically on the last podcast. We said it's about money that the, the schools have to have, the athletic departments have to have this money from, from uh, college basketball. And, and more specifically, the NCAA has to have the $900 million. I want to repeat that number so everyone hears it. $900 million that they get from staging an NCAA basketball tournament. The NCAA must have that money to survive. They didn't get it last year. They've got to get it this year. And I think that's why you're hearing Coach K say, let's just invite everybody because what he thinks is, let's not play all that many games. Let's try and get it done really quick toward the end, whatever. We'll get our tournament, get our money, and then put this damn season and put this virus behind us. I think that's what he's hoping. So last night, I know you were watching the broadcast uh, with John Shiambi and uh, Jay Billis. They discussed this at length and they were in agreement with the coach. So Everyone who's mad at coach for saying what he said after the loss, this was being talked about during said game. Billis, there's a couple things I want to point out that Billis said. At first, he said, if the start of the season was today with the number of cases that are going on, there's no way basketball teams would be playing. But while the CDC tells people not to travel and not to gather indoors, they have college basketball teams traveling everywhere for a sport that's being played indoors. And he mentioned, and I quote, this is all happening because the NCAA and the conferences said they didn't want to bubble up. But now we have teams that are in bubbles on their campuses. They're flying when everyone is told to stay home. They're told not to go home for the holidays or see anyone outside of that bubble because then they would have to quarantine and teams would have to cancel games. They're being treated like essential workers. That is what he said. And it's the perfect line for this because they're being treated like essential workers, but they're also not being given the tools to protect themselves. A few Duke, like Duke and other few schools, notwithstanding. I mean, you talked about Gonzaga 
trying to play with COVID positive players on the team and saying, yeah, it's cool. Don't worry about it. Like that is, we're treating it like it's a hamstring injury. Like, don't worry. He'll be back next week. It's fine. He's got COVID. Like these sort of things have been from jump. And, and the person who started this all the way back on March 11th was coach K when he told his team, when he told the ACC, Duke ain't coming to the ACC tournament because y'all ain't got pr- protocols in place and we're not being participated in. He was, the first, he was the first coach to say, NCAA tournament, yeah, we love winning championships. We ain't winning one this year because we're not going. Like, those sort of things was said back in March. We're December 9th, and still people are listening to him like he has two heads. And, and I think that's just – this is the thing. It, it, with Billis is right. November 25th came around. Coach, you know, coaches were like, yeah, we're about to start the season. And then games started getting canceled. No one thought, yo, let's put the brakes on this. Let's hold up for a week. We still got time. They said, nope, let's power through. Let's try and get through, the, let's try and get through this. It'll be fine in a couple of weeks. It'll be fine in a couple of weeks. We have a vaccine coming, and I fear that because the vaccine is going to be rolled out slower than everyone thinks, that people are going to think, hey, the vaccine's out, carte blanche. We can do what we want. And that's not the case. We still got to wait this out because March is going to come and not everyone's going to be vaccinated. That's the, that's the reality of this. I'm one of those people who are high risk and there's no way I feel like I'm going to be vaccinated by March. I can hope, but realistically, I'm thinking this is going to be, we're still in this for the long haul. And the fact that coach is coming out and repeatedly saying this, but people are focusing on the fact that he happened to do it after a loss is just astounding to me. And it really just sums up how we've treated this crisis so far. Before we get out of here, Jason, we do have some emails that came in that I wanted to read from listeners like you out there who wanted to reach out, and we thought they were pretty cool. I'm going to do one at a time, Jason, so you can react to them as well. The first one comes to us from Callum Millar. Uh, Callum writes, hey, guys, I just want to email how much I enjoy listening to the podcast. I live in the UK and have been a Duke fan since the 2011-2012 season. In fact, the first college basketball game I ever saw was the Austin Rivers game winner and have been a Duke fan ever since. That is a good game to be your first game. College basketball definitely does not have a big following over here, so it's very refreshing to hear the opinion analysis of other Duke fans who care as deeply about the program as you three clearly do. I only discovered the podcast at the start of last season. It made my commutes far more enjoyable, and I look forward to listening to each episode as soon as I can. I sometimes have to wait a day or two to watch the games due to the time difference and having to find time myself to watch the games. And that was from Callum Millar. I think that's awesome that we have dedicated listeners in the UK. And I I know for one, especially, you know, in in the soccer world as well, the efforts that you have to undertake when you are five hours ahead of the East coast to watch many of these games, since they're in the middle of the night, that is amazing. So thank you, Callum, for uh, the email that you sent us, and especially for being a fan all the way across the pond. You know, the, the two things that I take from this email, one is I'm always amazed and I love it when we hear from people who are Duke fans in other countries. Uh, we're able to look at the download list for, for the DBR podcast. And like, well, we have people who are listening to us in Korea and China and just all corners of the globe. It's, it's kind of crazy to think about. But then the other thing is Callum points out, sometimes it's lonely. Sometimes it's tough when you are a Duke fan and there aren't a lot of other people in your community. And, and I love the fact we get, you know, again, we get emails like this fairly often from someone who says, you know, they feel like they don't have a lot of people they can talk about Duke basketball with and that we are that avenue for them to talk about Duke basketball. I love that we can provide that for them. 
There is a huge universe of Duke fans out there. So even if you're not surrounded by them all the time, we're still out there for you. Absolutely. I think that's a great thing. And honestly, I think we've talked about this before. If we have one person come up to us and say, yo, you guys, uh, I feel like I can talk to you about Duke basketball. It's, it's a great thing, but it also is still kind of like, man, people, people go out of the way on the other side of the globe to listen to the three of us talk about basketball. That's kind of amazing to me. So uh, thank you, Callum, for that email. Our second one comes from Andrew Bloom. And Andrew Bloom writes, hi, guys. I just wanted to say that I really enjoyed your segment on how COVID is affecting college basketball. Not this, not this one, previous episode. Uh, frankly, uh, particularly your frankness about the fact that this season shouldn't be happening and the economic reasons why it nevertheless continues. I, too, am uneasy about the combination of how exciting it is to watch Duke basketball again alongside the knowledge that is morally questionable at best for the sport to go on right now. I appreciate you guys articulating that so well. Keep up the great work and the real talk. Uh, again, Andrew, thank you for your email. I will say, I, I think I speak for you, Jason, and Sam as well when I say that we hate that we have to constantly talk about how COVID is affecting sports and life in this country. We really don't want to talk about it, but it's something that is affecting everything regarding what we all love and enjoy, Duke football, Duke basketball. And so we have to deal with everything, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So it, I appreciate that you uh, at least you enjoyed the segment and, and really took to heart what we were saying, but I, we take no joy in talking about this. Hey, look, Andrew, if it helps, uh, Coach K listened to what you had to say. <laughs> and listened to what we had to say, and, and, and he feels the same way. The, the significant thing here that Andrew said that we have said repeatedly that bears repeating one final time. Folks, I'm sorry if I, if I sound like a broken record. Um, it is... Andrew's right, it is morally questionable at best for the sport to be going on right now. And yet it is also important for it to go on right now because, because the program's got to get paid. They, they just, you know, money doesn't grow on trees. And, and for, for Duke to be able to afford all the different athletic programs they have, they need to have college basketball. And, and there are hundreds of other programs out there that are in the same boat. Uh, it sucks. It's not what should be happening but it's the reality that we have to deal with. Absolutely. And, and even just the fact that Duke uh, made a, a decision very early on in the process that they were not going to have fans at football games. They're not going to have fans at any basketball games in Cameron this year. Even when North Carolina, the state, is allowing limited capacity at some of these games, especially football, uh, we've seen some of the other local teams have uh, limited capacity, uh, limited attendance of fans at their games uh, so that Duke is stepping up and saying, yeah, we don't care. Uh, that's the leadership that we're looking for. Again, as we've mentioned several times, we would like the NCAA to, you know, to display some of that leadership. But in the absence of leadership, they will go to anyone who has the microphone on. Uh, that's from the American president. And I wholly agree with that. Uh, Duke has taken the microphone with regards to this and made it so that uh, at least for their programs, all of their scholar athletes, that they're doing this as safely as they possibly can to get through the season without anyone getting sick. So we definitely appreciate that. And we thank Callum and Andrew for their emails. We really appreciate both of you for reaching out. If any of the rest of you have questions or want to reach out to us, as you can see, we like reading emails. dbrpodcast at gmail.com is where you want to send those thoughts, and we may answer them on a future show. That will do it for episode 258. A reminder, find us where you, wherever you get your podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review. It helps us out and makes us feel nice and warm inside. 
We will check you back out over the weekend, assuming Duke plays, because at this point we just have to assume and hope. Uh, but until then, for Jason Evans and for Sam Klein in, in abstentia, uh, we thank him for joining us earlier. Uh, I'm Donald Wine. This is the DBR Podcast and Duke Band. Take us home. Hey guys, Donald Wine here from the Duke Basketball Report podcast. Uh, This is the end of the recording. Uh, This was after the episode, but literally 10 minutes after we recorded this episode 258, we got wind that the game on Saturday against Charleston Southern has been postponed due to COVID protocols within the Charleston Southern program. Again, nothing on Duke's side. This is a positive tier one test, as they say, Uh, tier one positive test from the Charleston Southern program. So no game on Saturday. Uh, I know we were talking about COVID and we were talking about the schedule changes with this with this game, but uh, we will not be playing on Saturday. The next game for Duke will be on December 16th, a week from today as we record on December 9th. Uh, December 16th against Notre Dame, we will travel to South Bend to take on the Fighting Irish. Over the weekend, we will talk about that game and preview it. Obviously, we won't be recapping any game over the weekend, but stay tuned to the Duke Basketball Report podcast and to DBR in the forums. If we have more information, we'll pass it to you. But Saturday just opened up a bit. Duke football will be in action, but Duke basketball, again, that game on Saturday postponed. Sorry this is coming after this episode is over, but that's how this season has been, uh, basically. So for all of us here at DBR, we will talk to you soon. And you already heard the Duke Band. The Duke Band may play me out again. <laughs>